Welcome to the Sports Equity Podcast. Here we talk to special guests from teams, brands, and agencies to discuss the value that sports brings to business through current trends and best practices with your host, Brett Weisbrot. Today we have a guest with a dynamic background coaching over 10 years in the NCAA with FSU, UF, Cincinnati, Nevada, and Lafayette College now leveraging that experience in coaching and mentoring to help grow companies and building relationships and increasing opportunities to do business. Someone who I follow every morning on the daily huddle. This episode, we welcome Mark Noodleberg to the Sports Equity Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that, Brett. Uh, glad to be here. I love the name of the podcast. I'm all about some sports equity, so glad to be here. Cool. And uh, thanks for coming as well. We, uh, we're excited to jump into this together here. So, you know, as far as passion for working in sports, um, you know, I think we both know not every opportunity in sports pays what, you know, what you put into it. But, you know, where and when did you initially find that passion for wanting to be in sports? So I probably fell in love with sports as a kid, um, you know, between playing, you know, Little League baseball and Little League football and, and Little League basketball and, and being very privileged with my dad and having a ton of access to the, to the professional teams down here. I was lucky to be around a lot of the Heat players when they were really good in the early 90s and, uh, you know, have access to the Dolphins and be around practices and stuff. So I was always enamored with the sports and loved playing the game and loved just everything that came with it, the passion, the drive, the commitment, you know, the improvement that came with it by practicing the craft. I love sports all the way through high school. And then in high school, when I realized that playing college football was probably not going to be a reality for me because of the fact that I was, you know, 5'9 and 155 pounds, um, that's when I had to make a decision on what was I going to do? Was I going to be done with sports? And when I approached my high school coach, he told me that there was an opportunity to work for the football team at FSU as an equipment manager and that it could be a scholarship position and, you know, there could be these other perks and bonuses involved with that. I chased that opportunity. I thought, you know, why not? And that's really where I fell in love with working in sports because I was the grunt in, in the organization. I was setting up the practice drills. I was spotting the ball during the day. I was loading planes with equipment. And even though I was getting paid a scholarship and got to travel with the team and do all kinds of really cool things, that was hard, hard work. And that was on top of being a college student and all of those kinds of things. So that's where I really learned that I loved it. I learned that I wanted to be a part of it. And uh, that led me to continuing my career and gaining more responsibilities within it, which led to my coaching career. And without veering off, I know this is kind of a family thing at this point, right? You mentored your brother going through similar decisions in the last couple of years. Yeah. So my brother is a student assistant at the University of Florida. I was the uh, special teams assistant there when uh, Jim McElwain got hired and uh, I left after a year to go be the special teams coordinator with Brian Polian at the University of Nevada, but my brother graduated and, you know, he was deciding where he wanted to go to school. And I told him, I said, if you go to Florida, you know, I can, I can help you get a job there with Mac. And uh, he was able to walk into a situation that I had just walked out of and uh, built a nice, you know, a nice reputation for himself there and is enjoying it as he, 
goes on to finish hopefully this season we'll see right and 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 making your way into this industry is not easy by any means where do you feel like you put in the work to make that impact and put a name in for yourself early on in yours yeah, so that, that really came at Florida State where I started as an equipment manager. And when Jimbo Fisher got hired as the offensive coordinator, I quickly saw that he was going to change the way things were done there in the organization. And I aligned with it fully. And I just kept trying to find more things I could do for him to help make his job easier. So I started as his equipment manager setting up drills. And the next thing you know, I'm getting this coffee for him. Um, running copies of the scripts. I'm helping him pull up game film. Um, I was just getting pulled into more and more opportunity just because I was looking for it. I was willing to be there more hours and do more things. And so that led to me leaving the equipment manager role and becoming a student assistant role where I worked for free. I did, I did my last year and a half of school off of my scholarship and working for free as a student assistant coach and putting in the same hours as all the full-time coaches, but doing absolutely anything that was asked of me to uh, help the program be successful, even if that meant driving Jimbo's family to the airport in Jacksonville and back to Tallahassee. There was no job that was too small for me or that I wouldn't do. And that's where I built my reputation of doing whatever it would take and people counting on me to do my job. So you know, Jim Fisher, McElveen, Bowden, some pretty powerful names in the coaching circuit. Um, who would you say has made the biggest impact on your coaching? Uh, none of those. I would say uh, Eddie Grand, who was the special teams coordinator at Florida State uh, and is now the offensive coordinator at the University of Kentucky. He was, he was the guy who set me in my foundation of coaching. He really showed me what it meant to teach showed me what it meant to care for the kids, to hold the standard, to be disciplined and accountable to a process, all of the things that make coaches really successful. He laid those foundations into me and also gave me my first opportunity as a special teams coordinator at the University of Cincinnati with Tommy, Tommy Tuberville. So uh, he laid the foundation for me as a dear friend of mine, as a mentor, and as somebody that I continue to talk to all the time. So let's go 10 years later now, right? You're, you're teaching, you're mentoring yourself, um, you know, with sales best practices. Where did this change start to occur? And you start to say, hey, this is something that, you know, is probably more of a long-term fit for me. Sure. So I would say, you know, halfway through my coaching career, five years in, my dad really transitioned out of the marketing agency world and into the sales coaching, CEO coaching, mentoring, developing role. And we start, you know, we've, we've always had daily conversations, but we started talking more about coaching. He was coaching business professionals. I was coaching, you know, student athletes, but the way we were going about doing what we did, teaching and what we were teaching, accountability, teaching process, teaching discipline, teaching mindset, and the fundamentals that I was laying in to my special teams in order to create great culture and to create championship behavior were the same things that he was talking about with sales organizations, with CEOs, with leaders of organizations that were trying to create those same habits and behaviors. So we were, we would constantly go back and forth. We would get on social media and do it live. Like when he would come to a game and we'd be sitting together the night before on a Friday night. So 
all of those things started to happen far before I got out of coaching. And then when I got out of coaching and got involved uh, with a, with a company down here in South Florida and saw their sales culture, saw the way they operated, saw the opportunity to help them and really teach what my dad had been teaching me to be successful. Um, that's really where it transitioned to. I can really merge everything I know that's made me a great, you know, college football coach with everything I know about sales and marketing and building relationships to help companies grow. And what would you say was the number one lesson you learned while you're coaching that you're implementing or teaching with what you do today? Uh, discipline, just discipline and pro discipline to a process. I would say, I mean, those are, those are buzzwords that I think get thrown around a lot. Discipline is not hard. It's just consistent and consistent is what's hard. I think right. doing something over and over and over and not allowing the human nature to take over and say, oh, well, it's okay to take a break or you don't need to do that one extra thing or you can follow up with that person tomorrow. Building a process and then holding yourself accountable to that process day after day after day that's what made me successful as a football coach. It's what's made me successful as the president of On The Ball Ventures. And it's what makes other people successful that we work with is not all processes have to be the same, but you have to have one. And it has to make sense for you. In order to be able to build a process, you've got to be able to prioritize your activities. What do you need to be focused on and doing in order to reach a desired outcome? Well, now you build the process around those activities and then hold yourself accountable to doing those things day in and day out. That's the recipe for success. It's not rocket science. It's not pretty. It's not flashy, but it's also not easy. So that's really, that's really it. I'd say there's very few things you do in life just once and get it right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I had a great conversation this morning with somebody who I brought on my show and, you know, failure sucks, yep. right? But doesn't suck that bad. Like it's not death. So once you accept the fact that failure is hard, but the more you fail, the easier it'll get. And the more you fail, the closer to success you'll get. That's really the difference between people that are willing to take the risk, to put themselves out there, to be susceptible to failure, knowing full well that when they do, they're going to get back up and try again and apply the lessons learned. So, you know, I'm on the daily huddle and there's things I follow with the Noodlebergs, but you know, someone like Jocko, I like to follow to help motivate me. Who out there do you use to motivate yourself? Uh, well, like you said, it's nice to, to be involved with my father because he's a motivational master. Um, so his, I feed off his energy. He feeds off mine. We kind of go back and forth on that. And at this point I, I've kind of, I've kind of instilled my own accountability to process I look more to who am I, who can I learn from? Jocko is somebody great that I listen to, to learn from. Simon Sinek is somebody great that I listen to, to learn from, because they're pushing the envelope on me mentally. I'm not really worried about getting up and, and getting to the activity. I'm more worried about is the activity that I'm doing, does it still make sense for the goals that I'm trying to achieve, right? The world is constantly evolving and changing around us if you're not applying, you know, that vision to your daily habits to say, wait a minute, the, the world has changed. I'm still doing something that I 
developed years ago. Really, I should probably adjust this. I need to make sense of this. So anybody who's out there, you know, Simon Sinek is a big one for me um, that I just, I love his podcasts. I love his books. Um, I'm reading Jay Billis's book right now, Toughness, oh, cool. which is great. Yep. Yeah, a really good book and a good read for anybody out there. Um, but yeah, so that's, those are some of the people that I'm looking to right now to help push me. So, you know, as far as building your own business, in this case, really building a family business, you're a little more fortunate than most. Um, what's your favorite part about it? Working with my dad, for sure. I think, um, you know, it, that some people have a hard time mixing family and business. It's just a part of our family. It's always been that way. I come from a line of entrepreneurs and my dad grew up in an entrepreneur family. I grew up in an entrepreneur. So it's like, that's just in the nature of who we are. So we don't really struggle with talking business because we tend to do it all the time. But he has unbelievable experience that I get to lean on and I get to ask him questions. And as I'm looking at it through a fresh lens and in coming up with my own ideas on what we can do to move forward and how we can do things, um, working with him is hands down the most fun that I've had in any profession. So now you're four, five, six months into this role to, you know, working together directly. Um, what are some things you could say you've learned or maybe some successes you could share that have come now more so than in the past? Um, I wouldn't say that it's anything necessarily new that I've learned. I think it's just reaffirmed the fact that I know that it is all about activity okay. and making sure that the activity that you're doing is effective and efficient. Um, especially in a pipeline development world, you know, I said this this morning on the huddle, but business is all about sales. You could have the greatest gadget in the world. You could have the greatest software in the world. If you don't have somebody that can sell it, it's not going to, it's not going to create, it's not going to create any revenue. So building pipeline is the essential tool to driving sales. How you build pipeline in this world where it is all about relationship and how many conversations can you have in a day in order to create relationships to uncover opportunity that to me was something that i knew you know from my dad and from my grandfather but now being in charge of running a business and driving new business it's never been clear to me and um who was an ideal client for what you're doing now Sure. I think anybody who, who is looking to modernize their sales process or is looking to just learn and get into some new habits and grow, you know, we talk about the Noodleberg Daily Huddle as being a place for learners and leaders. Anybody who has influence that is looking to feed themselves some new contents, some new nuggets, anybody that's looking to build relationships in a different way in today's world is a great person to have a conversation with for us. Yep. And then I know another thing is, you know, you guys you know, teach LinkedIn religiously, right? It's really important. I use it myself every day and, you know, I love the consistent refreshers to keep on top of it. But, you know, if someone was to connect with you right now, adding value is really important. How can someone add value and help you? Um, introductions. I, I, the, the, to me, the best way to add value to anybody's life is to know who they are and be able to introduce them to somebody who's like-minded and might be able to share a good story, share an experience and create a good relationship. To me, your network is your net worth. So in being introduced to a good 
person is never a bad thing. So it doesn't have to, you know, correlate directly to business. It can just be a good conversation and that's a valuable win in a day. So um, anybody who thinks that it's a good conversation for me to have with somebody, don't hesitate to introduce. Right. Um, and then, you know, I guess you have, you have these quick, you know, intro conversations. Um, you know, you have a pretty famous phrase of how you talk about these meetings. What do you call your, uh, your quick introduction? A virtual coffee, a virtual coffee, which I feel like has caught fire. And now everybody talks about this, but, um, when you go into my, my Calendly link, there's two options there. There's a 15 minute virtual coffee and there's a 30 minute virtual coffee. But to me, unless we're, unless I'm, I'm talking business strategy and ideas with somebody, everything is a coffee, I drink coffee all day long. And, you know, my dad created a program years and years and years ago called 50 cups of coffee. Um, how many cups of coffee can you have in a month with people in order to share stories in order to, you know, stay top of mind, educate them about who you are and what you are and just continue to build relationships with people. Because at the end of the day, the real goal is when somebody needs to buy something or needs to buy something in your world, the real goal is to just know that you're in their mind as one of the options. And if you've done your job of building the relationship the right way, then you know, they'll come to you. So how many cups of coffee can you have And virtual is the way to do it now. That, and I guess being a little older myself, you know, coffee was always for closers, right? Now it's, yeah. now it's for introductions too. Well, it's interesting. I would say that there, there are no closers in today's world. I think, you know, where, where everything is commoditized in today's business world, people can buy anything anywhere at any time. Yep. People buy people now. So you're not closing a sale. You're either opening a relationship and building a communication line there where things are going, you know, going great. And, you know, that person wants to continue a relationship with you or they make a decision in the first five minutes with you that they don't like you. And as soon as they don't like you, they'll never do business with you. You know, it's funny. It's Lance Tyson, one of the sports tra uh, sales trainers I follow pretty often. Uh, same thing, right? He's like, you literally get to the point where you build the relationship, you get the obstacles out of the way. And there really is no close if you've done your due diligence all the way from meeting the person to getting to that final step. Right. So it's, uh, it, it exactly back to what you said about process. You got to understand it and, and, and learn from it repetitively. But that's exactly you know, right. On that note, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. And, uh, I will definitely speak with you soon. My pleasure. Thank you, Brett. Thanks for listening to the sports equity podcast, where we discuss the value that sports brings to business. Follow us for new episodes on a weekly basis. See you next time.